So Stacy, you're bringing us a continuation from this past Sunday's trashy divorces. You're spinning it into trashy breakups this week. It's a follow-up. <laughs> so where are they now? No, it's it's just it's just the scandal. It's just the scandal. Friends, on Sunday we met some key players in the scandal that would end John Edwards's short political career. Never gonna be president now. There was John himself, Johnny Reed Edwards. Yeah, never gonna be president. <laughs> Smooth-talking plaintiff's lawyer who had come to prominence by winning huge jury awards for his clients. There was his wife, Elizabeth, a Navy brat who grew up to be an attorney. Both of them now died in the wool North Carolinians. Huzzah. In 1998, just to catch us up, John Edwards won a U.S. Senate seat from the state. One of his hires as a new senator was a North Carolina law school graduate, not a practicing lawyer, but, you know, professional guy, named Andrew Young who was hired as his body man. This is a person who is essentially a Swiss army knife version of a personal assistant. And so this guy became one of his closest and most trusted aides. He was in charge of travel, lodging, logistics, food, like everything. Like he was... You can't just say you have a personal assistant. You got to call him a body man. body man. Good Lord. It's a body man. Our country is so weird. As we talked about, John was shortlisted for VP in 2000 and ran for president in 04, was not the nominee, but was picked for the VP slot by the nominee. And had John Kerry won, John and Elizabeth Edwards would have been living at the Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C. in 2006. But Ohio was a heartbreaker that year, and the Edwards family returned to North Carolina, where Elizabeth had the urgent need to begin treatment for the tumor that had been discovered in her breast. That almost gets us caught up. John founded and became the director of the Center on Poverty, Work, and Opportunity through the UNC School of Law, which body man and loyal (laughs) Lieutenant Andrew Young claims to have raised $3 million to help kick off. It was in this capacity as the director of this foundation that John Edwards was at the Regency Hotel in New York City when he met a woman named Rael Hunter in a 2010 piece in, sorry, that was in February of 2006. In a 2010 piece for GQ, Rail told writer Lisa DiPaolo, I saw him at the Regency in the library, which is the restaurant slash lounge, and he saw me, and it was a mutual, unusual staring going on. There was an instant, an odd connection that we both felt like, I know you, you know me, who are you? Anyway, he got up and left. <laughs> and the writer says, and then what? We, she and her friends, uh, decided to go get dinner. And on the way out, one of my friends noticed a poster of someone she knew who was going to sing at the Regency and went back in to ask the concierge about it. And that's how I ended up standing on the street. We were standing outside waiting for my friend and who comes waltzing around the corner but one Johnny Reed Edwards. Oh, God. The writer asked, was he surprised to see you? Well, what Johnny later told me was he went to dinner and could not stop thinking about me. Like, who was that woman and why didn't I go over and talk to her? Sounds like a married guy. Because you're married. Yeah, sounds like a very married guy. Okay, she continues. "Um, Because it was the oddest connection he had ever felt. And so when he was coming back to the Regency, he looked in the window at the library, which you can see from the street, and I was gone. And he was so disappointed, kicking himself. So when he walked around the corner and saw me standing there, he lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, my God. And I thought his reaction when he saw me was just so cute. I mean, he looked like a little kid at Christmas. And I just uttered to him, you're so hot. And he said, why, thank you. And he almost jumped into my arms. 
literally. And um, that's how we met on the corner of 61st and Park Avenue. The heart wants what the heart wants, apparently, even if you have been married. Sounds like a very married guy. Yeah. Okay. Let's back up and introduce Rail Hunter properly because this is a wild ride. So Rail was born Lisa Jo Druck. So March 20, baby. Is that Aries? Pisces. Pisces. Okay. Pisces Aries cusp. You'd actually have to do her chart to find out. I should have looked it up. Okay. (laughs) She was the daughter of a well-off attorney. The family apparently had a private plane and a Ferrari. So the dad, and I guess there are several daughters, so I think it was a family thing. They raised show horses. This was his passion project, and I think they all rode them, showed them. I don't know what the terminology is. Anyway, equestrian stuff. Okay, disturbingly though, perhaps he raised show horses as an insurance scam. In 1992, James Druck was implicated in the pages of Sports Illustrated, no less, in a disturbing and incredibly cruel plot of electrocuting horses to death for insurance money. Oh my God. It's very upsetting. Uh, He was never indicted and he did die a few years later. Anyway, after high school, Lisa took a couple of tries at college at UTampa and UF, but, you know, left in her junior year to move to New York City to try her hand at acting. Equestrian and actress. Multi-talented. Triple threat. Double threat? I was about to say, what's the what's the third threat? What number are we on? <laughs> All right, this is about to get weird, Alicia. And for our more literary focused listeners, do you know the novelist Jay McInerney? Yeah, he is connected to all of my Donna Tart, okay, Fred Easton right. Ellis, Bennington crew. Right. So he's part of the literary brat pack. Right. He's the author of Bright Lights, Big City, among many other books. Um, and yes, he ties into your Donna Tartiverse via Brett Easton Ellis who they, they started publishing books at kind of the same time, although maybe he's a little older than that crowd. He didn't go to Bennington College. There is a reason why I bring it up. The year is 1987, and the place is Nell's in Manhattan. It's the nightlife. Jay McInerney meets Lisa Druck, no. and they strike up a not long-lived and probably not very serious romance. Although one that became foundational for his 1988 novel, Story of My Life. He told Page Six in 2008 during this scandal. She's a nice girl. She used to be a real party girl. When she wasn't out at nightclubs, she was taking acting classes. We dated for only a few months, but in that period, I spent a lot of time with her and her friends, whose behavior intrigued and appalled me to such an extent that I ended up basing a novel on the experience. That's Rael Hunter? Intrigued and appalled. The character he semi-based on her, Allison Poole, and this book does include a horse poisoning plot. Anyway, the, this char- it's weird. So this character, Allison Poole, in Story of My Life, ends up in two of Brett Easton Ellis's novels as well. She is definitely some sort of New York City party girl type for them. It is a tiny, literary, trashy world. And then when the John Edwards scandal broke... McInerney revived the character in a couple of short story collections around that time. So what an odd world we live in. This is Rail Hunter, Alison Poole. Unbelievable. Moving on. In 1991, Lisa Druck married an attorney whose last name is Hunter, and the couple moved to Beverly Hills. In 1994, Lisa Hunter changed her first name to Rael. And after the marriage ended in 99, 2000-ish, she remained Rail Hunter. It's a it's an upgrade from Lisa Druck. 
Allison Poole's kind of catchy. Not bad. The acting thing that she had been into had actually yielded a couple of small parts in films like Overboard and Ricochet, and she kept a toe in the business even during her marriage. Afterwards, she stayed involved in the industry at least enough for her to be able to present herself as a videographer when she met John Edwards in 2006. You're so hot. You're so hot. According to Andrew Young, the body man, Rael spent the (laughs) night with John that first night that they met. John was only in town the one night and gave her his number when they met in front of the hotel. Well, he's a kid on Christmas. She called his room, got a voicemail, didn't leave a message. She says she kind of went on with her evening out with her friends. And then her phone rang and John left her a message. Hi, call me. I really want to hear what you have to say. Tell me how hot I am again. Seriously. Okay. This is how she described what happened next in that GQ piece. Oh, goody. So I called him back and he said he really wanted to hear what I had to say. Would I mind um, meeting him in his room? And I said, no, I wouldn't mind at all. (laughs) And the reason I wouldn't is because he's a celebrity and I know a lot of celebrity friends. Oh, God. And I know their rules are different. Also, it felt completely familiar, like I'd known him all my life. Anyway, so I said, let me eat my Caesar salad and I'll see you in 15 minutes. And I said to my friends, I'm going over there. And it was funny because they were like, you cannot sleep with him. You cannot sleep with him because you can help him. And I said, I am not going to sleep with him. I gave them my word. I won't sleep with him. And so I went over to his room and I walked in and I was terrified. And the writer asks, why terrified? And she says, because I had never experienced anything like what was flowing between us. I sat on the other side of the room. I wouldn't go near him. And he kept saying, she mimics his Southern drawl, what are you doing over there? Come over here. I can't even see you. Come closer. I won't bite you. I was just, there was so much attraction and so much, I want to say love, but it wasn't love at that point. You know, it was just this, this magnetic force field like I had never experienced. It terrified me, absolutely terrified me. And uh, I eventually walked over to his side of the room. He was pretty relentless. Broke that promise you made to your friends, didn't you, honey? That's all I'm going to say on that now. Fade to black. Did she literally say fade to black? Yeah. Jesus. Filmmaker. What happens next? It goes about as well as you'd think. Rail presents with a kind of West Coast spirituality, and she managed to convince John that the person the campaign was presenting was not his authentic self. She had a solution. She would put together a series of online only, this was very groundbreaking at the time, short webisodes, which Newsweek at the time said, quote, showed Edwards struggling with how to show more authenticity on the campaign trail. Edwards is quoted, I'd rather be successful or unsuccessful based on who I really am, not based on some plastic Ken doll, he says in one episode. But we're so conditioned to say what's safe and it's hard to shed all that. Newsweek continues. The webisodes were the brainchild of Rael Hunter, a filmmaker who met Edwards at a New York bar where Edwards was having a business meeting. I didn't think it was John Edwards, Hunter recalls, because the public persona did not mesh at all with the person who was sitting in front of me. Hunter pitched Edwards on the documentaries as a medium for bringing the real John Edwards to the people. Okay, so there's a lot there. First of all, we could talk about the wisdom of a campaign that lets it be known that the married candidate with the family guy image is meeting women in bars in strange cities when he's traveling for work. Maybe not. Maybe you say restaurant. Authenticity. Maybe you say we met in New York. He was in town for a meeting and 
anyway. Also, to have your mistress aiming to show the most authentic you to the world seems... Problematic. Potentially fraught, <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> oh, the things we do for love. Oh, or the things. Lust or whatever. We do. In July 2006, Riel and a business partner formed a production company, which was paid about $114,000 to produce four of these short sequences. In August, several of John's top staffers began to suspect the candidate-to-be and the videographer were having an affair, and three left the campaign entirely. Like, really? Oh, yeah. They were just not... They were not going to lose in 08 because of this, right? It was early enough, I'm sure, to find work on other campaigns. John had not announced yet, but all of this was building for a December 2006 announcement. So, Andrew Young, body man! He also became aware of the affair. How could he not, being in charge of all the details of John's life? And he was, of course, arranging meetups for them. And that fall, according to Young, on a trip to Uganda, sponsored by the International Rescue Committee and filmed for this webisode series. Oh, my God. Rael and John spent every night together, and Rael told Andrew that John professed his love to her. This is from an ABC News timeline of the scandal, as told by Andrew Young in his book, The Politician. Hunter, who was still the official videographer for Edwards, accompanies him to his Center on Poverty at UNC and then to his home since Elizabeth was away. <gasps> Hunter meets Edwards' parents and children and interviews them on camera for a webisode. Nope. At an intimate dinner, Hunter and Edwards, according to Young, kept on talking about once Elizabeth was gone, this is the way it should be. This is the way it is. This is after several hours of wine, cuddling together, just me and the two of them. Nobody. Young says Rail talked about plans for a rooftop wedding in New York. No. Quote, their favorite song was called Steady As We Go by Dave Matthews Band, and that was their song. And according to Edwards, he was going to get them to come and play at his wedding after he was president. Oh, Jesus Christ. Said Young. Hunter later tells the Youngs that they made love in John and Elizabeth's bed. The very married John Edwards. That's trashy. So this gets us to that scene that we talked about on Sunday, December 30th, 06, which is when Elizabeth says John confessed to having had a one night stand, but which, um, you're, you've built a reception with Dave Matthews band playing on a rooftop. That's not a one night stand. Possibly. It could be a rooftop in New York. It could be the Rose Garden. You don't know. <laughs> you the don't body know. man will arrange it. So Rail and Andrew both recalled this episode differently than Elizabeth Edwards did. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Rail had come to Chapel Hill for his campaign announcement, and according to her, Elizabeth, upon spotting her, immediately suspected the affair. Elizabeth found a second phone that Rail had given John and called the last number dialed, and Rail answered, thinking it was John, saying, Hey, baby. Andrew has it a little different that John confessed to the one night stand, but that Rail was now dating Andrew was the story. Andrew's married was the story that John told Elizabeth. It's like, I'm just holding it for my friend, mom and dad. It's not even my bag. On Elizabeth's insistence, I think all, so I think everyone's telling of this converges here. Rail and Andrew are both booted from the campaign forever indefinitely. Elizabeth put her foot down. You are no longer allowed in our lives. Right. Period. Obviously, in March of 07, Elizabeth's cancer had come back, and in May, Rail and John got pregnant. She says she didn't know until July, although body man Andrew says that she told both of them in May and that John wanted him to convince her to get an abortion. 
I don't know how tell-alls can get a little exaggerated. That's all I'm going to say. On August 27th, I just learned this. I did not know about it. The New York Post ran a blind item asking which political candidate enjoys visiting New York because he has a girlfriend who lives downtown. The Paul tells her he'll marry her when his current wife is out of the picture. Oh my God. This may be what got the National Enquirer to start digging into the story, or it may just be that there was something in the wind. Days later, these four webisodes that Rail had produced and posted to YouTube for the campaign, they were removed. And when questioned, the campaign said it was a campaign finance issue, and they just didn't have any choice. And since literally no one understands campaign finance law, you could kind of be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I guess that was before the campaign. So, but anyway, no, it, it doesn't really make sense. Prior to the National Enquirer story breaking that October... Some of its reporters tracked Rail down to where she was living in New Jersey. Body man Andrew, on John's direction, he says, moved Rail to North Carolina. She stayed with his family, he and his wife, oh for my God, a bit. no. And then moved into a home close by, which had been paid for with a donor's money. Nope. There was also a BMW, also paid for with a donor's money. Once again, no one understands campaign finance law, but that's kind of a big red flag right there. Seems to me like it shouldn't be quite... I mean, I'm no campaign finance expert. No one is. Literally no one is. And I think once you learn how to do it, Congress makes some tweak that you have to go relearn it all over again. Unbelievable. So yes, on that note, let's take a little break and we're going to come back with additional campaign finance problems. We learned so much on this podcast. Let's hear from our sponsor real quick. We'll be right back. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disentel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We want to welcome Feels CBD to the show this week. 
Feels, that's F-E-A-L-S, has been helping us get a good night's sleep for a while now. And whether you're dealing with sleep issues, stress, pain management, daytime focus, whatever, Feels CBD might be just what you're looking for. Feels is a premium CBD derived from organically grown, full-spectrum hemp right here in the United States. This is a company that really cares about the details. Feels packaging is gorgeously designed, and their monthly membership makes your self-care really straightforward. I've been sleeping so well by putting a few drops of Feels under my tongue about 30 minutes before I lay down. It's really boosted my ability to get to sleep, as well as my sleep quality. If you're new to CBD, you may need to experiment a little to find the right dose for you. Feels really cares about the details. They offer a free CBD hotline to help you find your perfect dose. The customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best experience out of your CBD, whatever your goals are, and whatever your experience level with CBD. And with Feels Monthly Membership, you have one less thing on your to-do list every month. You'll get 50% off your first order, easy monthly delivery straight to your door, and you can pause or cancel anytime. Feels also has this cool three-vial flight available, like you're sampling craft beer or something, so you can actually feel how the different doses work for you. Become a member today by going to Feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash trashy, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash trashy to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's Feels dot com slash trashy. Educate me. Campaign finance law, Stacey, oh, I, I'm in. I can't. No one, I, I don't, like, I know it. I've not been listening to me at all, Alicia. I would say don't buy a BMW for your mistress with, anyway. But what do I know? When the Inquirer published pictures of Rael that December visibly pregnant, not only did Andrew Bodyman claim paternity, but he, his wife, and Rael also hopped on a private plane owned by the campaign finance chair for the campaign and wealthy donor to the campaign that flew them, presumably free of charge, to Florida, then a few days later to Aspen for Christmas Eve, and then on to California in January, where Rael wanted to settle more permanently. How much worse can we make these crimes? Boo! All right, so while John dropped out of the presidential campaign at the end of January after losing Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina... He was still theoretically a contender either for the vice president slot or a cabinet post. I mean, attorney general has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Should Obama or Clinton win in November? So he spends the next months trying desperately to keep the affair and his role in Rail's pregnancy as undercover as possible. How'd that go? July 2008. John Edwards goes to L.A. for an event with the mayor of Los Angeles he popped over to the Beverly Hilton to visit Rael and their daughter, who now was a couple months old, probably. I think she was born in March. Who was waiting for him there but a team from the National Enquirer who photographed him inside the hotel after two in the morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was not staying at that hotel. Busted. That was probably enough to be the end of his political career, but this is America. People can reinvent themselves. The problem for John was that he was not yet ready to come clean, and you can't reinvent yourself until the old self has just all been out there, right? So, this dummy. So, start of August, the Olympics are beginning. He figures going on Nightline might just be drowned out by the Olympics coverage. 
He goes on Nightline and he confesses to a brief affair in 2006, but definitely not the daddy. Andrew Young says he's the daddy. That's, I mean, I don't know, but probably. And they're like, well, would you take a paternity test? And he's like, I absolutely would. But Rail was refusing to allow. Anyway, it was trashy. It was, it was not believable. And consequently, it was not believed. Here is a representative headline from NBC News. Is John Edwards' former aide covering for him? (laughs) Yes. Yes, he was. In fact, he is. John was now fully toxic and would not be sitting in the VP's chair or over at Maine Justice. And to make matters worse, as 08 rolled into 2009... Prosecutors began to wonder whether campaign funds had been deployed to cover up the affair. Rail, <laughs> oh no! Rail sat before a grand jury in Raleigh on August six, according to the New York Times. I think it was two thousand and nine. Prosecutors are considering a complicated and novel legal issue: whether payments to a candidate's mistress to ensure her silence and thus maintain the candidate's viability should be considered campaign donations and thus whether they should be reported. When Mr. Edwards was running for president, and later when he still held out hope of a cabinet position in the Obama administration, two of his wealthy patrons, through a once-trusted Edwards aide, body man Andrew, quietly provided Miss Hunter with large financial benefits, including a new BMW and lodging that were used to keep her out of public view. The prosecutors are also examining some $114,000 paid by the Edwards campaign to Miss Hunter for a series of short campaign videos she produced. About $14,000 of that money was paid to her well after the videos were produced, some through transfers from accounts and listed as for furniture purchases. Andrew had dropped his paternity claims entirely in 2009 because he is shopping his book proposal around the politician, the inside scoop on the John Edwards... Body Man Blues. The heroic journey. So, you know, he wanted maximum bang for the buck, so he just dropped any pretense, like, ain't mine. Boy, have I done a lot of dirty stuff to hide this from the world and from Elizabeth Edwards. I mean, in fair, this is John's excuse ultimately is that I was not trying to send campaign dollars to keep me viable politically. I was trying to keep it from my wife who was dying. And that is you know, a compelling argument. Anyway, the grand jury came back with charges. This is from NBC on June 2nd, 2011. Former presidential hopeful John Edwards pleaded not guilty Friday to federal charges that he solicited and secretly spent more than (sighs) $925,000 to hide his mistress and their baby from the public at the height of his 2008 White House campaign. A million bucks. A million dollars. The indictment contained six felony counts, including conspiracy, four counts of receiving illegal campaign contributions, and one count of false statements for keeping the spending off the campaign's public finance reports. I had no idea. I don't know how I missed this. I had not gotten into the details of this, but let's review. No one understands campaign finance law, so... The case was not that strong. Like, as a prosecutor, you do not want to go in front of a judge with a novel argument because that means it has not been tested in prior case law. Right. It's new. Hey, let's try this. And most of the stuff you try. So 
Not a great place to be. Prosecution barrels ahead anyway. We're going to get John Edwards. If he had been convicted, the maximum possible sentence would have been 30 years in prison. Whoa. With a million and a half dollars in fines. So, like, obviously no judge would give him, th- like, he, whatever. Would have probably less than 10 would be my guess. Anyway. We don't hold politicians responsible, though, for, like, any kind of law breaking. I mean, you just, it's rare for a judge to, like, really throw the book, especially for white-collar crimes. Have we contemplated that the child might, in fact, be immaculately conceived? That has not come up. <laughs> I mean, Rael won't allow DNA, so we can't. As most observers expected, the DOJ did not prevail at trial, ABC News. A North Carolina jury found former Senator John Edwards not guilty today on one of the six counts in a campaign finance trial and declared itself hopelessly deadlocked on the remaining charges, leading the judge to declare a mistrial on those counts. Edwards, a two-time presidential candidate accused of soliciting nearly a million dollars from wealthy backers to finance a cover-up of his illicit affair and illegitimate child during his 2008 bid for the White House, was found not guilty on count three of the six-part indictment. That count pertained only to whether Edwards illegally received several hundred thousand dollars in donations from wealthy heiress Rachel Bunny Mellon to cover up the affair in 2008. Bunny Mellon was 99 years old at the time. Oh, Bunny. She was just taken with him, and they, they did apparently contact her and say, like, Hey, Senator Edward, whatever, whatever they were calling him, John Edwards has some non-political stuff he needs funded. Can you write us a check? And she was like, I love his environmental stance. I love it. And just wrote the... Do I make that out to Johnny Reed? Please, please do. Okay. So aside from Andrew Young's book, The Politician, Rail published one of her own in 2012, at which time she also announced that uh, she and John had broken up. She, like John Edwards himself, stayed out of the spotlight for several years after that, but made an appearance she did on the Steve Harvey show in 2016, where she revealed that they had actually stayed together through early 2015. And kind of for the first time, she had had some extremely mean things to say about Elizabeth Edwards and her understanding of what their marriage was like, which is what she was hearing from the cheating husband. On that, so. Definitely a reliable narrator. Reliable narrator. So in um, 2016 on the Steve Harvey show, she definitely had some more empathetic things to say about Elizabeth Edwards, recognizing how much pain her actions and John's actions must have caused her. And, you know, like kind of talking through, like I, I had to get right with myself after all of, you know. It's a good thing we can all we can all grow and learn. Apparently, John Edwards continues to be a great dad to her daughter and also continues winning settlements and awards for clients as a plaintiff's attorney in North Carolina. I did not do trash cans on the Elizabeth Edwards story on Sunday because, God, did it seem disrespectful to even try that. But um, these two have earned a few. So I am awarding John Edwards and Rail Hunter 925,000 trash cans borrowed from a 99-year-old heiress who probably should have known better. And that's John Edwards. That is a trashy breakup. Hunter. That it's it's a trashy lot of things. Wow. Body man. Well done. The continuing adventures. 
of a guy who's going to spill all your secrets when he's done with you. Or when you're done with him. Hey, it's... That was a wild ride. Didn't say it was good. I will say, I think there's a general sense. I don't think politicians in general like the National Enquirer, but there is a general sense that by breaking this story at the end of 2007, it prevented an incredibly, a truly flawed candidate from perhaps becoming the Democratic nominee. And like, if this had been revealed, like nominee John Edwards, his affair gets revealed in the press, like he's out, he's done. Like Democrats lose, like there's no, it's John McCain and Sarah Palin. (laughs) It's like, anyway, I, I do feel like there's some of that thinking around this particular event in history. It's just weird. He had this like 10-year political career. It's just this like block of his life and it completely poofed. The heart wants, Stacey. I mean. What the heart wants. Wow. Trashy breakups. Thanks, Stacey. You're well welcome. done. Thanks to y'all for tuning in. We'll be back with you on Sunday. Yes, we For will. a new episode of Trashy Divorces. Trash monsters. Until- monsters of trash. <laughs> Until we talk again. Hey, keep your hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy. Keep your masks on too, y'all. There's going to be so many links on the show page on TrashyDivorces.com if you want to read further into this uh, sort of delicious, terrible scandal. Got you covered. Big cheers, friends. (laughs) Keep it trashy. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us. Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and trash panda enthusiasm society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all